Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife. Welcome back to the podcast today. We are doing our um, interview with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. If you know me, you undoubtedly know her. So I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on that introduction again. We are actually coming together to talk about some questions that come directly from our combined audiences. And one person in particular, I was just sharing before we first record, he scheduled a consult call with me to let me know that we have missed a very important topic. So I reached out to uh, Jennifer afterwards, and she was so gracious to come on and talk about this. But it's the subject of duty abstinence. And I'm going to kind of frame what he called duty abstinence. And then I want to hear your thoughts about how you would frame it. But he's like, it's when your wife takes sex off the table and everybody tells us this is a good thing sometimes. And obviously we have to respect her body, her choices, right? Like that's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. But he's like, you keep talking about what it's like for her to have duty sex with me, but nobody's talking about what it's like for me to have duty abstinence for her. So how do you, what do you make of that? Do you think that's a blind spot that we've missed? What are your thoughts? I, I don't think that I've missed that, but I mean, so <laughs> what I mean by that is, well, first of all, it's a little bit different because duty abstinence suggests there's a choice there. And I suppose there's a choice you can force someone to have sex with you. But when you are the higher desire person, you automatically don't have the control. So that's just a de facto reality of life is that when it's something you can't agree to disagree upon, it is the the control resides with the low desire person. And so duty sex is often framed as dutiful because someone is basically going to say out of I'm not condoning duty sex. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a good way to orient to the question. OK, but uh that's the idea that, well, I'm going to have sex with you in a dutiful way that is not about really choosing you. It's about putting up with you. Okay. But it is still volitional. Yeah. It's a way of choosing to engage in the marriage. And if the higher desire person receives that, and this could be a woman or man in that higher desire position, they are arguably participating in a kind of devaluing of themselves to accept it. Okay. But it is based in something volitional duty abstinence. Well, for me, it breaks down a bit. I'm not saying that that's a, not a painful position and there aren't struggles around abstinence that maybe the dutiful part is not complaining about it per perhaps is what he means, but Again, the low desire person makes the decision of whether or not sex happens. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I guess I'm confused about what this person is saying is the missed point there, that the painfulness of that, the difficulty, or what, what's the missed issue in, in his view? Do you know? I think the framing was, I'm doing this because it's what she's telling me she needs and wants, not because it's what I choose. So I think he felt like a loss of agency, a loss of autonomy, and he just had to tolerate his own emotions, which is in essence what we teach, right? <laughs> Differentiation, self-soothing. But I think he was saying nobody's speaking to what it's like to tolerate 
when sex is taken off the table if it's not our choice to take it off. But yes, it's a very difficult position to be in the higher desire position because you can't make happen what you want to have happen because you have de facto less control. Mm-hmm. Now you still have control over who you are. So so this person is right that he does not have the choice available to him to have sex with his wife if she doesn't want to have it. Mm-hmm. That's true for everybody in the high desire position around anything. Um, but yes, and that is difficult to want something, even want something legitimate, but not have the option. And what I talk about is differentiation is often measured by how one handles what you don't have control over being in this situation, having sex with his wife, even if it's a perfectly legitimate desire, which I imagine it is. She's trying to make an argument as to why that is a virtuous thing for him to do, whether or not he believes it is another question, whether or not he's doing dutifully. I think what he's saying is I pretend that it's a dutiful choice to do this when in fact I resent it. When in fact I am angry about it, but I pretend that it's noble of me to do it because that's the view she wants to also have is that it's noble of me to do it, but I don't believe it. And so I think what he's doing is masking his actual feelings in the relationship, resenting that pressure on him to mask and the sense of contempt and powerlessness that comes out of that is very painful. And probably he doesn't know what else to do. Yeah, I think you're right. And to use your wording, your phrasing, resentful accommodation is what's happening for, mm-hmm. on his side of it. Yes. I mean, the thing is, he doesn't have an option to do otherwise. When, when I talk about resentful com- accommodation, you have the choice to not accommodate something. You can mm-hmm. say no. But in his position, he doesn't have an option. He has an option about how he's going to handle that he doesn't have what he wants. But I mean, unless he's going to force sex upon her, which I'm, I know he wouldn't based on what he's saying. The issue is how he handles his, his dignity in the face of what he doesn't control. And that's what I imagine he's struggling with. Right. So it goes back to what you were saying earlier. I, I think your wording was maybe he's just choosing not to complain about it or it feels like he can't complain about it. And I actually see this a lot. You probably do, too, where the resentful accommodation comes in. Um thinking that it will just upset her if I tell her how I really feel or feeling like we can't have an honest conversation. Perhaps he doesn't feel like he can tolerate how it feels to have an honest conversation. And he's also worried that she won't be able to tolerate how it feels. And so we just kind of quietly go along with the lower desire partner, not that we can force them to do anything physically, but we also don't feel like we can approach them um, to have the conversation in the area that we really do have some agency and choice. That makes him feel even smaller and more powerless. So let me go on to the question number two from our audience. And I think it will help us elaborate on this because it's leading right Mm -hmm. into what you're saying. So here's the second question. And there's a little bit more than a question. So I'll read it all. How do I own my sexuality when she takes sex off the table? This person says she doesn't pursue it for herself and she doesn't choose to develop it. And I think a request has been made for her to develop it. And she's choosing not to in this Mm -hmm. framing. Mm -hmm. He says it's just not a thing for her. How do I be okay in my sexuality since it's only me? 
his wording. Mm -hmm. I know she wants me as a person, but she doesn't want sex. How can I be solid in my sexuality without her? I want a healthy sexual relationship with her. And I also have the framing that sexual activity is to be between me and her. That Mm -hmm. seems to indicate that it can't be legitimate without her. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is that what I mean by owning it, and it's not probably the best way to say it, but to basically be at peace with the fact of your sexual capacity, your sexual desires, to not have shame about the fact that you desire an intimate, good sexual relationship. Yeah. And that as much as you may legitimately want it and feel at peace with the fact of your sexual nature, mm-hmm. you still don't have the option to have sex with her if she is saying no. That's just the way it is. I don't make the rules. Okay, That's the pain point, right? <laughs> it's just the, it's the pain point. I mean, yeah. we want lots of things we don't have control over. Right. And 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 good things and legitimate things, but we don't necessarily have the ability to affect them, especially making someone love us. We cannot make anyone love us, choose us, desire us sexually. So I think where people feel frustrated is they maybe want that I have a better answer for them. Now <laughs> I do, but nobody ever wants to do what I have to say. Okay. And that is you do have choices about who you're going to be given that you're in a marriage with a partner who doesn't want to have sex with you. Yeah. Okay. No, they're not easy choices and they're not fun choices, but you might want to look at the maturity with which you are handling that and whether or not your choices accrue to your dignity and your self-respect or accrue to your wife's control and your lessened respect. And that is the resentfulness that comes in, right? That duty absence when we are making our decisions that accrue to her control. Yes. Yes. Right. So you're, so she's sounds like this wife is the first example is trying to sell the idea that this is noble and good of you to not pressure me in this way. Yes. Right? Be a good boy. Do what I makes me comfortable. Well, he's doing it and framing it as a dutiful choice, but I don't think he believes that it's actually good, that it's actually the right thing for him to be doing, but he's doing it anyway, meaning he's going along with it resentfully and shutting up about it on some level, but not holding his honest position in the marriage and his dignity in the marriage. And so I think that makes him feel even smaller and more powerless. Yeah. Because I know people who are in the higher desire position that handle the fact that their spouse doesn't want to have sex with their dignity intact. Right. They are speaking honestly. They're speaking directly. They're saying, I don't buy into the idea that, you know, that I don't agree with how you're talking to me about sex. It's not what I desire. So they're coming into that honestly and clear-mindedly. Of course, they still aren't going to make their spouse have sex with them, but they're not being complicit in basically the lowest common denominator. I mean, it's hard for people to know what I'm saying unless I role play it or I show you what I mean. But a lot of times people are so interested, they imagine they're going to nice guy their way into a willing partner. 
right? Or they're going to be dutiful and patient long enough that she will eventually want him. And th this is fantasy land. Yes. And it creates more resentment, which makes him less desirable, justifies her even more. Because who wants to have sex with that resentful guy over there, even though she's a part of his resentment? Okay. And so that oftentimes people are in the invalidation and the absence of control that they desire, the control they wish they had, they are not a force to be reckoned with and they're easy to say no to. Yeah. And when I hear you saying this, I, I want to know if this feels true to you, but it's almost like you're saying this higher desire partner paints themselves as a person with no agency and no autonomy in the relationship. Right. Because they don't have the choice they want. And I agree with them on that. Yeah. And that hurts. I agree with them on that too. Mm -hmm. And I do too. Yes. And it's even when it's a perfectly legitimate desire, right? I mean, yeah, but they don't have the choice. And the choice we then would rather do is resent our choices rather than step up and make a choice uh, that we can live with in the face of what we don't have control over. And yeah. that is life. Now, the thing is, when we do that, we often become much more compelling and much more desirable. And I've seen this happen in marriages a lot. It's not a guarantee. But when you see that you don't have, let's say, the low desire wife doesn't have her spouse, her resentful spouse in her back pocket. Well, she starts waking up a bit because, wait a minute, he seems to have more backbone. He doesn't seem to be resentfully trying to get me to be okay with him or give him sex every once every month or whatever. He seems to be, you know, growing a spine. And that means I have less control from my anxiety. My fear doesn't seem to be running him anymore. Yeah. And that pushes people to wake up to their better selves. So, yeah. So I it don't sounds know like he's, he's caving into her lesser self mm -hmm. and it makes him resent her and himself. Yeah. I don't know if this is appropriate, but I often bring up with my clients, listen, if you want to have sex, if that's all this is, you can do that tonight with somebody, right? Yeah. Right. You don't have to stay in that marriage. You have autonomy, but a lot of times I think it gets in, um, we get in that backlash of the lack of power, the lack of control when we paint this picture of ourselves that we have no agency left. Yeah. And right. Exactly. And again, you don't have, you know, you have a parent that's ill. You you don't have the choice that you want if they're if they're terminal, but you do have a choice about how you're going to be around that difficult reality, right? And I, I mean, I'm just saying that's like how life is. There's so many things that we don't have control over that are perfectly legitimate desires. The question is, how am I going to handle life on its terms, and who am I going to be? That's all I get control over. Is the dignity of who I am in the face of, of a world that doesn't give us the choices we desire as legitimate as they may be. Absolutely. So I'm perfectly happy to do some role play if you think that would be helpful in a moment, but just yeah. to clarify here, that question of how do I own my sexuality here? You're saying how we own our sexuality is find our agency, find our choices and how we show up. Our personal dignity and the dignity of our sexuality and the dignity of our sexual desire. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you, yes. If you're, I'm not saying owning your desire is having sex with your wife necessarily yes. because you don't have control over that. 
What I mean is integrating your sexuality and being okay with your sexuality is important for standing up for better. Because what a lot of people do is they're trying to get their spouse to validate their sexuality and validate their sexual desires. And when they won't, right? I worked with a client who had tremendous anxiety about his desirability around his sexuality. The only thing is he just had a wife who had a little bit more than he did. So what he would do was use the fact that she was lower desire to pretend to himself that he was very comfortable with his sexuality when in fact, any time that she started to shift, he would go into too little, too late, you know, and kind of move into more of a resentful position because he actually questioned deeply his lovability. So he wasn't at peace with himself. That's why he was putting up with a marriage in which he was never chosen. That makes sense. <laughs> Do you think it would be helpful for me to be the lower desire partner for a moment and sure. just have you sure. talk to me? Sure. I think I've been noticing how immature I am lately with you around sexuality. And it's just something I've been thinking about. And I just wondered if you'd be okay with me talking to you about it. I guess. But if you're just trying to get me to have sex with you again, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I'm certain it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in this marriage long enough. Uh, Ethel to know that. <laughs> no, that's just the point. I mean, I think that I've sort of imagined if I was patient, quote unquote, enough and accommodating enough and buying into the idea that you just need more time and more distance enough, that maybe at some point you would want me or appreciate me or desire me. And the problem is, even though I've kind of gone along, it's made me feel anger and resentment and hostility towards you, which I'm sure you feel all the time. I just think I've been being a child rather than growing up a little more in this relationship. You're right. I do feel like I'm a constant disappointment. I feel like you're always frustrated at me. And it feels like a lot of pressure and it feels really heavy. I mean, I don't know how to make you happy. And sometimes I think you're just being nice to me so you can get what you want, not because you care about me. It's hard. It's hard to be on my side, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've cared about you very much, to be honest. I think I've been much more tuned into uh, the fact that you don't seem to care about me. Mm -hmm. I've been much more tuned into the sex I can't get in this marriage um, and not. And as much as I've accommodated you, it's really not been out of love. It's just been out of fear and spinelessness. You say you don't know how to make me happy. Maybe there's truth in that. Maybe I'm a person that couldn't ever be happy. But I think the truth of it is that you prefer the idea there's no way for me to be happy than than wanting to be bothered with the question of our sexual relationship. I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. It feels really uncomfortable to hear you say those things. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to say them. I just don't know if we're going to make it. I, I don't, and I don't mean it like uh, as a threat because I've said crap like that over the years. But I believe you choose me as in you don't want a divorce. But I courted you because we had a passionate connection, 
right? We were attracted to each other. We wanted each other. And to lose that and to not have that be a part of life has been extremely painful for me and something I've made you pay dearly for without, without taking more responsibility for my life. Been painful for me too. I don't know what to make of this right now. Kind of makes me sad, but also scared of, I don't know. I don't know what this means about our future, about what you want from me. I want you to be happy, but I don't know how. No, you wish that were the problem. I mean, I think, yeah, you wish that I just so difficult, such a difficult read. <laughs> I think you do know what I want. I think the question for you is whether or not you want to create that with me. I don't know when to break. This feels so real to me right now. Like this is it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you want to break at this point and discuss if you want? Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels so like even in my body, obviously we're not married, right? We're just simulating this, but this is the depth of that pain on both sides of this. Mm -hmm. And this feeling like we've worked at this for so long and it feels like we've worked at it from so many angles, probably dishonest, half blind angles, but it's like a lot. I think a lot of couples are coming to a conversation like this, exhausted, not as much hope anymore, all mm -hmm. the things. Yeah, but exactly. But like I say a lot in my courses is that, yes, people have often been sort of trying, but trying from a position in which it will never give. Yeah, It's not really trying. So it is exhausted because they can't, they're they maybe exhausted because they haven't been able to get the other person to yield to their will. So they've been trying to get the other person to reflect back what they want and haven't been able to. So yes, they're tired. But that's because they've been playing at the wrong game. Yeah. And the husband in this role play is rather than trying to get the wife to be who he wants, even if it's through a covert, nice guy, resentful accommodation, he's instead saying, I'm going to stop playing this game with you. I don't respect what I've been doing. And I don't, and I know it's filled me with hostility. Now she keeps grabbing at that, trying to keep it. Yeah, poor me. Yeah, glad you're finally getting it clear. You know, <laughs> I'd do it if I only knew what you wanted. But he's starting to get unhooked from her and not, you know, get hooked into the same power struggle that they've done for, let's say, 20 years. Who knows how long they've been married? Um, and instead, he's getting him, he's disentangling from trying to prove his mind to her and he's owning his own mind. And she's, I don't know, you tell me, but she feels anxious because I think she can track that he's not the same husband that she knows how to control. And I don't mean she's just a controlling jerk. I mean, they know how to, they know how to manipulate each other. Okay. But he's starting to self-define and she's losing the comfort of knowing how to relate to this husband because he's evolving into a more developed husband. So she's on alert. Well, you said it in, in the role play, you're like, oh, you wish that were the problem, right? That you just couldn't make me happy and I'm just so difficult because that in some ways is more comfortable what you're saying. Like we're used to that frame. Yeah. Exactly. We know how to do that one well. But yeah. when I say no, I disengage from that story. Then she's afraid. What does this mean? What does this mean right. for the marriage? What does this mean that 
I'm going to be expected to do if he disengages, where am I left here? Right. And very likely she would go into a story of either victimhood of you and your stupid sexuality. Now you're going to divorce me over it or into a story of, I don't know how to do it. Help me out. Wherever his vulnerabilities are, if he loves to be the nice guy, gets, you know, played by false hopes, wherever he is vulnerable, she'll likely intuitively, it doesn't, not because she's evil. I want to be really clear. This is what couples do all the time. This is just couples. This this is marriage. (laughs) People, people know how to work their partner's limitations so they don't have to deal with their own. So she would likely be appealing to his limitations and he would be very tempted to take the bait because he knows how to relate to her in that way, knows how to feel like a victim to her feel the superiority of his frustrated position, which feels much easier than actually dealing with the uncertainty of choosing how he's going to deal with the life that he's in. Yes. How do you feel about role-playing that opposite spectrum? So we, I kind of did the, well, I don't know how to make you happy. I just, I don't know how to do this. But the other spectrum I think you're alluding to is the dysregulation. Well, I'm the worst wife ever. And now you're going to leave me. And uh, like, mm-hmm. this is all my fault. And they kind of implode. Cause I definitely have yeah. clients who are afraid of their wife's implosion on themselves. Like if I bring one thing up to her, she's going yeah. to tell me how awful she is. And then I'm going to highlight her insecurities in that way. Okay. Sure. Does that sure. feel okay? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. So blah, blah, blah. Fast forward. I've been thinking about who I am and I, I, I think I have imagined that if I take care of you enough and keep you comfortable enough that you're going to eventually want me. I've been taking Jennifer's Art of Loving course and I'm realizing I'm such a classic nice guy, which of course, you know, is not nice. Um, But this idea that I'm going to take care of you and then you'll appreciate and desire me. You know, I, I see the immaturity in my overfunctioning. Are you calling me a bad wife then? Are you saying it's like my fault? Like maybe you should have just married somebody different if that's what you maybe. want. I mean, am I calling you a bad wife? Like you have to take care of me? Has that been such a burden to you? Yes, it's been a burden. Well, Definitely. I'm so sorry that you've had to do that all these years. I didn't ask you to, but you're right. I am a bad mm-hmm. wife. You you have asked me to, just like you're doing right now. What are you I, even talking about? What do you mean? I'm not. You pressure You pressure me to come in and tell you you're a good wife and pressure me to come in and say, it's okay that you don't like sex. And it pressure me to come in and imagine that with enough comfort and reassurance, you will want to be in the marriage or want to be sexual in the marriage. So... I'm not talking about what quality of wife you are right now. I'm saying that I have participated in that dynamic with you of caretaking. And it's not lost on me that you come into response of to what I'm saying with more pressure to reassure you. Do you just want to leave me? Do you want to be done with that? Is that what you're saying? You're just going to leave? Is the marriage over? Am I that bad? Uh, Yeah, you're that good. That's what I'm saying. That's how good you are at your half of this. My whole body is feeling this as we're talking about this because I just am like in it. This is so real. And my gosh, your responses were so 
so right on and so appropriate, right? Even in this immature implosion on myself, I'm asking you, him, to again, please come back into that role. Mm -hmm. Please don't Mm -hmm. step out of that role. Stay right where we're used to. Exactly. Right where you are. Right. She knows this is how we've done it. He's changing the rules. And so she's going to double down on her half of that. There's nothing surprising whatsoever about it. It's how relationships work. And he's probably feeling intense pressure because if he's truly coming into a different place, it is unfamiliar territory for him to not step in and reassure. This is also him growing himself up to not be the one who's rushing in and being the good guy who takes care of her anxiety, her fear, her anger, her whatever. And instead, he's not doing it and naming the dynamic they both do so well. Right. So he's like, no, no, I'm saying you're excellent at it. (laughs) Yeah, that was so good. It's so true. So I just want to reflect back and see if this is the way you mean to say this. It sounds like our emotional work with ourselves to be able to recognize our part, to be able to maintain our integrity with self, to recognize our own emotions and self-soothe, that is what is supporting the ability to stay in this conversation and have a more honest exchange. Right. Right. This is a man who's getting more able to manage, regulate his own mind. He's also more able to regulate his sexual desire. That is, he wants a sexually intimate marriage and he understands his wife doesn't. He doesn't take that as a brought that he has that he's shameful and it's got to get her to validate it he can own the dignity of his desire while owning the dignity of her non-desire right (laughs) which is what we were talking about i think in that first part of the question how do i own my sexuality when she is saying no thank you i think what you just said is not the answer anybody wants to hear you already said that nobody likes this answer but no exactly It's cold comfort. But, you know, I think you better own the dignity of your desire. If you think somebody, my husband and I were just talking about this this morning for some reason, like, you know, if we were just talking about what it would be like to be partnered with somebody who thinks they're doing you a favor to have sex with you Mm. and then what it feels like to say yes to that, right? Like that's just, you're, you're complicit in the idea that you just must be tolerated, Right. And so one claims the dignity of their sexuality by saying no to that, not to control the wife in this case, not to control the other person, but to control oneself. No, I don't want to be patronized. I want to be chosen. You don't have to choose me, but I'm not going to have this kind of sex. Now, I don't mean I have seen people who will like tyrannize their lower desire spouse around this as just another way of kind of punishing for their own anxieties around sex. So proceed with caution around what I'm saying here. Well, that's still immature, right? In that hundred percent, it's immature and it's a hundred percent hooked into the, now you still need to punish her. You know, like I was working with a client who had really done a lot of this and I knew he was growing up when he was talking in the session about the fact I have made you pay so much for your low desire and it's so unfair and you don't have to choose me. You never had to, and you still don't have to. And I don't think that I can stay any longer in this reality. I need to take no for an answer. And he wasn't doing it punitively, self-righteously, none of it. And you could feel it. Okay. And this was when things started to actually shift because 
he was coming there with a kind of self-confrontational growth that wasn't making it about her anymore. And so, you know, I, I say the words, I, I show people what it looks like, but it's not the words. You have to push your own mind to step into a place of self-definition. And, you know, a lot of people learn the words of what I'm teaching, yes. learn the language. They know all how to define differentiation. They know about high and low desire and all this stuff. It's another thing to actually step into the deep anxiety and uncertainty of defining a self that your spouse won't validate. That right. is terror. Okay. But that's also where growth happens. And that's how couples have the chance to get stronger or perhaps end, right? But that's where the growth is. And it's terrifying. That's why we'd rather talk about the ideas than do it. Yeah. We just had a conversation before we pressed record today. I had a client earlier today who said just that. Exactly what you said. I know all the language. I am intellectually brilliant in relational um, vocabulary. And we just didn't know what that meant, what that felt like, what that looked like in real time application of these tools. And yeah. that's the hard part. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, I say, it's a lot of people like the idea, I would do it if I only knew how, if yeah. I only knew what. And I do appreciate there's something to steps at times or knowing what the first move is to make. But really what it is, is our mind's desire to not be out in the solitary place of claiming your own reality without validation. So and scary. So it's terrifying. And therefore, yeah. we'd rather stay in our ideas and stay in our comfort. And so it's very, very intuitive. I certainly know how to do this, you know, talk about an idea and then not ever do it. <laughs> because change is uncomfortable. It's hard. So I get it. I, I get what it means and why people don't do it. But we pay a slow, painful price for not living courageously. I heard, once heard you say you don't get away with anything. <laughs> you don't get away with intellectually understanding it and not taking that step. Because your yeah. spouse tracks it and tracks the cowardice in it. And it shapes the relationship. So that's, that's what you I mean. It's like we aren't we are pretty open books, really. Yeah. And I almost think it could be even more painful because we um, stand under the guise of, oh, I'm learning all these things. I'm taking 100%. Jennifer's courses and right. going to her retreats. Right. And it's almost more painful. Yeah. You're learning all of that and you're using it nothing's against changing. me or nothing's changing. Yeah, yes. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful yeah. of your time. Um, is there anything you would add, anything we've missed that you would add as we finish up here? I appreciate that dialogue so much. Like we could have mm -hmm. talked all day long. But that to me, I felt it in my body and I know our yeah. listeners are going to yeah. connect with that too. What the thing I might leave if, to give somebody something concrete and actionable is to perhaps ask yourself, what do I mask from my spouse about me and why do I do it? What is the control I'm trying to keep by masking? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not saying that I necessarily know what the answer is for them, but like, why am I being dishonest? Now, is it because I can't actually back up what I say? I'm not sure I actually feel like what I would say, meaning, you know, is it that I really harbor an idea, but don't say it because I know it's mean and cruel, so I can't back it up? 
Or is there something that I'm afraid to say because I'm afraid if she knows what I really think, then I won't ever get any sex. That's another version or something. But like, why am I masking what is true and what is so insecure in me that I can't handle being more forthright in this marriage? So that's an issue of your own growth. And, you know, when we need validation, we hide. When we need validation, we're dishonest. And people who need validation tend to not get much sex. So yes. I'll just leave you with that. That's an actionable, at least idea to, to chew on. I love it. Thank you for that. I appreciate your time. Everybody, make sure you go check out the courses and retreats that are upcoming. I appreciate you. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work. 